Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. I would love to tell you that this is going to be an episode filled with fun, exciting Rockies news and trade deadline or excuse me, trades being made during the offseason and maybe new acquisitions. But that is not what we are here to do today. We are, in fact, discussing uh, the potential future of Major League Baseball as we know it. But before we get into all that, I have to, of course, introduce my two cohorts in this here podcast escapade, those being Evan Lang. Good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever time you may be listening to this episode. And, of course, Skylar Timmons. Uh, SB Nation has my permission to continue to use my picture on their websites. <laughs> Which is good, because Skylar's definitely the most conventionally attractive of the three of us. And so, we are, you know, we had plans at the end of the regular season to, you know, still do our uploading and still do our, you know podcast as we know it but probably slower right not as often weekly unless there was some big news to cover that really necessitated it and who boy do we have some big news that necessitates it so before we get into all the craziness of uh what you know is is baseball's first real lockout in 20 some odd years i wanted to start off kind of lighthearted as we normally do with these here podcasts with the icebreaker the one that i have for uh today's discussion is uh, I'll start with you, Skyler. The lockout. Before we get into like the nitty gritty of what it means and everything, has it affected your off season plans? How was your uh, recent holiday, Thanksgiving? Any any uh, you know Christmas plans coming up? Just what do you got going on these past uh, or these next few months? And uh, has the lockout affected them at all? Uh, the lockout hasn't really affected it because there's no baseball games, and that's usually how I spend my time watching it. Otherwise, it's just a lot of watching movies and 
playing countless hours of MLB The Show and whatnot. So not much has changed. Otherwise, it's basketball season's kind of around the corner. So I'll be doing some play-by-play for one of the local schools again like I did last year. But that doesn't start until January. So awesome. just sort of chilling. And it just ruins my plans to watch Hot Stove every morning on MLB Network. That kind of throws a, a wrench into the yeah. plans. It is one of the best shows that MLB Network puts on. How about you, Evan? What you got going on? Uh, so the lockout itself doesn't affect really my off-season plans. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing, which is watch a lot of hockey and try and play video games and just relax and spend time with the family and stuff like that. Uh, what it does affect is that the basically the same thing is I spend my off-season you know, thinking about the hot stove and you know, the, the moves that the Rockies are going to make or other teams are going to make or getting myself hyped up for the next season. And it's, uh, it's a little hard to get hyped up for the 2022 season when there is a not zero possibility that there might not be a 2022 season. Yep. I get that completely. Yeah. I mean, fun icebreaker, but there's no real point in avoiding it. We should probably just jump into the thing. Like I said, uh, we are officially in a lockout. This is not going to be news to anyone that even, you know, somewhat follows MLB baseball. Uh, we are, you know, in the first lockout, like I said, in the last 20 some odd years. I believe the last was in 1994. And this is just something that I think we kind of considered a possibility, but we're hoping we could avoid. Uh, but unable to the the players union and the ownership of major league baseball have as zep and eight unable to come to an agreement on the new collective bargaining agreement that means that we are in a lockout until they are able to do so so for those that might not be familiar with a lockout it might have been a while since uh we probably have some listeners who have never been alive for one so real briefly what that means is that there are of course going to be no further trades or free agent acquisitions at the major league level. Um, there are going to be no winter meetings. They've officially been canceled again at the major league level. There is a possibility that spring training and even regular season games could be affected if they are not able to come to an agreement here soon. Now we are still in the very early stages of this lockout as we record again. We are still within week one and it's to be expected that very little has progressed in these first few days. But, you know, this is obviously a huge deal everything comes to a complete halt as this happens so what does this mean uh evan i'm gonna start with you on this one what does the lockout mean for the 2022 season for players like uh you know former rocky trevor story who has not been signed yet and what does it mean for the potential future of the game when it comes to the relationship of players and owners i don't know man sort of just a general question lockout give me your uh give me your take on so for for starters there is if if things go well enough and you can certainly be hopeful that they will that this lockout really won't affect the 2022 season that much that is the worst case scenario is and i'll get into that a little bit later but for right now what that means is that players who are still unsigned like trevor story cannot meet with or negotiate with Uh, other MLB teams for a contract. Uh, Anyone who had 
already met with their teams and signed the papers and done their physical. They are signed. They are officially with their team. So John Gray, who we'll talk about a little bit later, is officially a Texas Ranger because he went down to Texas, he had his physical done, and he signed the actual paperwork before we hit that deadline for the lockout. Um, so, But for folks like Story or for anyone else who remains unsigned, they're going to have to wait until the lockout is officially over and a new collective bargaining agreement has been ratified by the League of the Players Union. Um, basically what the lockout is, is a, and, and let's be very, very clear on this, this is not something that the Players Union or the players initiate, this is something that the owners initiate, and the mm -hmm. owners uh, voted unanimously to initiate a player lockout. And I go through in, in basic detail on my rock pile from Thursday what a lockout means in, in very basic terms for the Rockies and for you as a fan. Uh, and so we'll go over that in a little bit detail right, right now. So in addition to what we've said about contracts and free agent signings, um, trades are also uh, off the table, though there have been some titterings that the league might try and do winter meetings without the players, and they can discuss frameworks of trades between the teams, but just not with the players, and then maybe have some stuff ready to go after the lockout ends, um, but none of that is set in stone yet. Sure. What it, what it really does mean, though, is quite literally, the players are locked out. So they cannot meet with or talk to any team employees, including trainers and coaches and other staff members. They cannot use team facilities. So, like, um, Erban Marquez had been working with a Rocky strength and conditioning coach at Coors Field with uh, fellow pitcher Ashton Godot, and they can no longer do that. They'll have to find uh, independent coaches or trainers to work with and independent training facilities to work in. They are, like I said, quite literally locked out. They don't have access to any of those resources that they normally would. Um, what is not affected is minor leagues, since minor leagues are not part of the Major League Baseball Players Union. Uh, players on minor league contracts are not affected at all. Uh, players can still be signed to minor league contracts, so minor league teams can continue to bulk up their rosters for their farm systems. They can use their minor league training facilities, and as of now, the minor league spring training and uh, regular season are expected to begin on time. Multiple members of the Rockies affiliates, such as the Fresno Grizzlies, have said, we have no intentions of delaying the minor league season. We'll be ready to go on time. Uh, a big thing that has happened is that Major League Baseball basically wiped their site clean of player names, player photos, uh, up-to-date news concerning teams and players. And basically all of the, the news on the website right now is either concerning the lockout or it's talking about historical stuff. So if you go to the Rockies website, one of their top articles is talking about when the Rockies clinched the uh, 1995 wild card. But what it also means is that uh, fans can't utilize things like the film room, uh, where you can look up clips and highlights, and all of the player photos, except for players who are inactive, retired, or you know moving overseas or something like that, or minor league players, are gone from the website and this has some really weird other things like for promotions from some teams the promotions have been relabeled as like mystery player 
or just the position that that player plays at for certain giveaways. But mm-hmm. of course you can still, you know, you can still buy team merchandise and you can still buy tickets to 2022 games, though it's uh, hard to believe that a lot of people right now are going to be rushing out to buy tickets for the 2022 season. The main thing that I want to talk about, and y'all can feel free to cut me off if I've been running my mouth a little bit too long on this, but this is the last real bit, is that this does have the potential to get pretty ugly. So there's not been a lockout since the 1994 season that led to a player's strike and the complete cancellation of the remainder of the 1994 season. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if a CBA cannot be agreed upon by the time of spring training or the start of the regular season, we can see either a shortened season or we can see the season be completely canceled, especially if the players decide to strike again. Now, both sides, both the players union and the owners are like, we definitely want to get a new uh, CBA done before spring training. But something you do need to be at least a little bit worried about is that at least so far, negotiations have not been going very well. And so all we can really do as both fans and as the the writers here at Purple Row is sort of sit and wait and see where we will be at in the coming months. Uh, There's definitely no signs that negotiations will resume this week. Uh, Some people are saying that it's probably not going to be until after the new year starts. But all we can really do is wait and see if the sides decide to reconvene and start negotiating again. But where we're at right now is that for the foreseeable future, until this lockout ends, the 2022 season is at least somewhat in danger. Yay! (laughs) Super fun! It is a, that is a great breakdown, Evan. It's very helpful for people that might not be familiar with the situation. So I really appreciate that. What do you got on all this, Skylar? What's your uh, what's your Timmons take? <laughs> the Timmons take. Uh, no, it, it's it's always frustrating, obviously. You know, because especially on the outside is fans and you know people on the outside that aren't involved with the actual negotiations between the two parties. You know, it does get frustrating because we hate to see this happen to the sport and. You know, we hate to see these two sides fighting over the game we love. And, you know, it would be awful to have anything happen where we're losing games in 2022, especially after having dealt with a 60-game shortened season in 2020. So I I think there is that motivation on both sides where nobody really wants to lose games because you start losing games, you're losing money, and nobody likes to lose money. And that's what this whole agreement, this negotiations is all about is money is at the root of it all and so that's the the hard part because there's things where we want like a universal dh you no know, perhaps rule changes but a lot of articles and news that we're seeing from different outlets is that these negotiations are really all about money money is going to be the main talking point and when it gets to to talking about the big money between these rich owners and know the players of all different varying salaries and these different circumstances it's going to make that's what's going to make things ugly and get messy is when the money aspect aspect gets into the the root of things because i don't 
the rule changes, I think, if if in any we get any for 2022, most everybody would be on board with that. But it's going to be those discussions about money and the things that are coming out, uh, especially from both sides and their arguments. That's that's going to be the main talking points this whole winter is you know, what's going on with the money, the monies. It's all about the monies. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. You're right. I mean, a lot of this comes down to, like you said, the monetary side of things is is chief among this. But one thing I kind of allude to that I want um, to kind of just address one more time a little bit is what this might mean for somebody like Trevor Story. So uh, we're going to talk in just a second about all the trades and all the signings that we saw happen at the start of this offseason. But, you know, Part of the reason there was such a flurry of moves is because a lot of people knew that this lockout was on its way. And we saw a lot of big-name free agents uh, move to new teams, but not uh, Trevor Story. As Evan mentioned, he's going to probably have to wait until this CBA is done before he has any sort of traction on what his career is going to look like going forward. So I'll start here with you, Skyler, since you uh, just kind of finished talking about this a little bit. Uh, what, what do you think this means for Trevor Story's market? Do you think... This is not going to affect it at all. He's going to be fine. Or do you think this might be bad news for him as he, you know, enters this next stage in his career? I think Story will be fine. Those big name players like him and maybe Carlos Correa, you know, I think their markets are probably going to be fine. And I agree that probably a lot of owners, because a lot of these owners are seeing what happens with this CBA and what maybe new stipulations there are with finances and how teams operate, maybe waiting to see how those things pan out before they sign a guy like Trevor Story or even Carlos Correa. But as we know, Trevor Story, a fabulous player. His market was going pretty well still. Uh, before the lockout, he was right up there. You know, The Mariners talking about wanting to bring him in. Uh, the Houston Astros, potentially. There was a lot of rumors before the Texas Rangers dropped six mil six hundred million dollars on their roster that hey mm. maybe he was an option there. So I think those those big name players, those guys are gonna get paid in one way or another. Maybe they're gonna lose out on some money in their contracts once the lockout's over. But overall I think the guys like Trevor Story they'll be fine. It's the guys that aren't the Trevor Stories, the the Carlos Correa's, the Max Scherzer's, it's those guys that maybe hurt the most from all this CBA stuff and is going to hurt their markets. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good point. I like uh, how you kind of relate that to the rest of the um, moves that you know some of the similar players like Seager made. What do you think about this, Evan? So it's a good. This is a good time to mention that I I do agree that. A lot of the superstar players, this probably isn't going to affect them too much, but something that needs to uh, be reminded is that the majority of Major League Baseball players are not in that superstar category. The general median salary for your average Major League Baseball player is roughly around $1.1 million, um, and the majority of Major League Baseball players are making between 500000 and a million dollars now that still seems like a lot to you know the average person who say makes you know fifty thousand dollars annually and especially to minor leaguers who make very very little and that's something that definitely needs to change 
but a lot of what the players and the players union were pushing for in this new collective bargaining agreement is stuff like making it so arbitration starts you know two years after three years so that those players who are not superstars can arbitrate for bigger contracts earlier into their career and also ways that players would not be unable to become free agents until six or so years after their career starts and other ways to to document service time in order to try and eliminate service time manipulation by big league clubs which is the thing that happens uh, some of the other stuff that they were going for was pushing for teams to have more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not necessarily force teams to be competitive, but make it so that they need to be putting out a competitive product onto the field. In recent years, there has been revenue sharing where the teams that make more money give some of the money that they make to other teams. But what we have seen is a decline overall in recent years of how much revenue teams are putting towards their team's payroll. And basically, um, from what I'm understanding, the players wanted to decrease the amount given around by revenue sharing by about $6 million per team, totaling around $100 million, because this revenue sharing is not working in tor in terms of encouraging teams like say the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Baltimore Orioles to put a competitive product out on the field because we look at Max Scherzer's new contract and he is making over the next 3 years or goodness me I think he's making in a single season more than several teams are putting towards their entire payroll so far in 2022 and that's definitely a problem. And the league has said that they are definitely not wanting to negotiate at all on most of that. That they don't want to negotiate on free agent time and service time. That they absolutely will not negotiate on the revenue sharing stuff. And they came back and reportedly said, all right, well, if you want this, then we want to slash the player pension fund, which of course is a total non-starter and things have just been sort of devolving. Um, there have definitely been other proposals such as the institution of a salary floor and the raising of the luxury tax threshold to encourage teams to spend more and not have it be as punitive when they do spend more but also make it so that teams have to spend a certain amount on their payroll, like say $100 million, they are required to spend on players and talent in order to you know, push them to putting out and maintaining a competitive product on the field. But, you know, so far really nothing's been agreed upon. And everybody who's been signed, you know, they're set and when the the season resumes if the season resumes you know their contracts will will happen regardless but then for players who are not your superstars who are going to make big big contracts there will definitely be some effects for how this all pans out hmm yeah super fun what a bummer huh this instead of like fun off season stuff 
one more thing I do want to get into before we get into all the, the signings and, you know, all the moves that have been made uh, before the lockout happened. Just one little bit before we take this commercial break here. Uh, Evan, again, starting with you, and then Scott, I want to hear your answer as well. This lockout, it's assumed that at some point they will come to some form of an agreement. Even if it costs games, like whatever, like baseball will not be gone forever. So we must only assume that they will come to some sort of agreement here in the future. What does this lockout mean for the future of Major League Baseball? There's obviously, as we talked today, a lot of bad blood between the ownership, uh, you know, circle and the players union. Do you think this lockout does anything to either negatively or positively potentially affect the relationship of those two parties? Or I don't know, Evan, what, what do you think this means as far as player owner relations for the coming years? So there's already been bad blood brewing between the two sides. Uh, we saw it especially during um, COVID negotiations for that shortened season where really neither side needed to budge and there was a lot of going back and forth on who was quote-unquote the bad guy there. But where I see this really causing damage is in the eyes of the fans and the casual viewers because... You know, unfortunately, as it really tends to go, a lot of your casual viewers see this as just an argument between millionaires and billionaires. But a big thing to realize is that the owners are still vastly more rich and vastly more powerful in terms of the dynamics of Major League Baseball than the players are. And I think this does have a potential to really even further damage the dynamic between the two parties for years to come if things get really ugly here and i think if things get really bad there is a potential though i don't know where it might go that we could see say the ousting of rob manfred as the commissioner of major league baseball but it's difficult to say because the the owners like manfred because he makes the money but the players might necessarily like Manfred, and things can get really complicated there. I know the fans have a very uh, complicated relationship with the commissioner of baseball, leaning towards the negative, especially for for Rob Manfred recently, and some of the other things that have come out in this last week, like the um, multiple baseballs that were used without players knowing in the 2021 season. But another big thing is that Something I want to run back to is the league basically wiping its site clean, is that baseball has, for a long time now, not done a good job at marketing its stars. And they're kind of damaging themselves, I think, by doing this, because without being able to look at the current players and basically sapping their own websites and things of you know of personality and showing off of the talent there's really not a lot there like how many current fans are going to want to go back and read an article about things from 1995 or how many fans are going to be like you know have a have an amount of distaste in their mouth put through from these whole negotiations and the potential for bad blood and it really is i think baseball damaging its own product here i 
I don't think baseball is ever going to go away forever, but I definitely think that, you know, Major League Baseball is damaging its own brand here with both the lockout and the the really unwillingness to budge on certain negotiation tactics and the inability to market their stars. And I think that those are all things that the league needs to take a really good look at going into the future of how they handle all yeah, that stuff. That's totally fair. Totally fair. Bringing the casual fan side into it is, is critical. Absolutely. What do you say, Skylar? Well, it's, it's exactly that where this is a detriment to the game and the sooner they can figure something out for the betterment of the game, uh, that's, that's great. But currently right now, the longer this goes and the nastier it gets, it's just going to turn off a lot of fans because, oh, here's these two groups that are just fighting over money, so to speak at the very base of it. Uh, that's going to turn off a lot of people where no once. February, March rolls around. People don't really care. We've still got basketball and hockey that we can enjoy. Or they'll turn to other types of sports. When's the XFL come back, uh, believe it or not? So there's different avenues of entertainment that people can turn to the longer this goes on. And the nastier it gets, it it is going to turn off a lot of people. And it it is frustrating because, no, you can... I can see where both sides are coming from where you'll get people that'll be on different sides of everything. And, and that's fine. You can have your different opinions, but it it just gets hard because we can see what both sides are aiming for. And it's that powerlessness as fans that make it so hard where, no, we can think of solutions like, Oh, maybe why don't they just do this or that? But it, we can't do anything and it's really up to these two parties to ultimately try and find a way to compromise, you know, succeed on some things, you know, be willing to, you know, not be so adamant about one thing and being able to relinquish that to get what they want. And you know, that's the basis of all negotiations and arguments is that they need to figure out a way to compromise and do what is best for the sport to continue to grow because if the sport continues to lose popularity, both of those parties are going to lose out on a lot more than just missing some games here and there. So this is going to be a big turning point for the sport of baseball moving forward, or at least for the next six years, because whatever happens in this collective bargaining agreement, it'll set the stage for the next one where some more changes will come. And so you know, it's this fight that comes every six years or so that they really need to figure out and you know, hopefully they can come to a conclusion that's beneficial to both sides or at least you know, at least a bit of what they want so they can pave the way moving forward. Because like we we're talking about with a lot of those smaller players, those you no know, not the star players, the ones who aren't making forty three million dollars a year to throw the baseball. No, it's those guys, the minor leaguers, the guys that are getting paid the league minimum. Those are the ones that need the help the most. And yes, the the sport needs to be more competitive. And there's ways they can go about that. No, maybe not necessarily making it so the big market teams have even more money to buy all the best players, but figuring out some sort of form where teams like the Pirates and the Orioles, there's no reason they should be 
operating with less money than Max Scherzer is every year. So there, there's a lot of give and take. It's hard to, to figure out exactly what both sides need to do, but they need to do something. Otherwise, we're gonna baseball's gonna suffer quite a bit more than it already is. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you both for the breakdown, guys. This is a situation none of us have ever had to deal with, but I think you have both done a really great job of talking about what this might look like for people that aren't as familiar. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Uh, That's enough lockout news for now. There was some baseball news before the lockout itself. We had a lot of signings really changed the baseball landscape. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk talk about the official departure of John Gray. So stay tuned. Through this break, we'll be right back here in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back uh, with the second half of the Affected by Altitude podcast. You know, I just realized I forgot to say at the start, which my whole spiel about how we are a Rockies hot podcast posted by SB Nation, the Rockies affiliation. Weird. But anyway, I just said it. So onward and upward. Uh, We talked a lot about the lockout, but that is not the only thing that we have to discuss. There were a pretty hefty amount of moves that were made prior to the lockout becoming official. One of those being officially John Gray moving on from the Colorado Rockies and going over to the Texas Rangers. Rangers spent quite a bit of money in free agency, but the first major move they made was acquiring a very strong free agent uh, starting pitcher to really bolster their rotation. So I know we're probably going to have a whole thing about this, and we talked about John Gray at length uh, here in the last couple episodes, but it is official that he is now no longer a Rocky and officially a Texas Rangers. Skyler, um, kind of closing thoughts on John Gray as his career with Colorado has officially ended. Well, I'll start by speaking his language. <clears throat> woof, woof. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's rough to see him go uh, because uh, I had mentioned before that it didn't it wasn't a deal breaker or anything for me if he ended up leaving. Uh, the thing that's the most frustrating is just how the Rockies kind of bungled the whole situation uh, because he wanted to stay here and we just couldn't get it done. And so now he leaves the team signing that four-year, 56 or so million dollar contract with the Rangers, which was just uh, just a bit over what the Rockies had initially offered and it's hard to think that they couldn't up their offer just a bit to match that and and whatnot because he's only going to get paid about $14 million a year. So that's kind of frustrating where it wouldn't have took much more from the Rockies to keep him around, which they obviously wanted to, and he wanted to stay. But instead, he goes to a much-improved Rangers team, and the Rockies get absolutely nothing in return except an egg in their face. Yeah. Yeah. It is tough that that offer was not, you know, it wasn't in the stratosphere. Like it's, it's something that seemed very doable. So that is a very frustrating point of it. Uh, What do you got on it, Evan? So 
I, I said last time that I wasn't bothered by the Rockies not really offering him the $18.4 million qualifying offer. But what does frustrate me, like Skyler said, is that you know we don't have all the information right now, but it really does appear that the Rockies screwed up this a lot. Where John Gray says he wants to stay, and the Rockies say they want him to stay. But they don't start contract negotiations until the very end of the season, only give him one offer, and it's you know widely considered a low ball of three years and 35 to $40 million. And then the Rangers swoop in, and the offer they make him is only for one year more and slightly more money that averages out to over four years he'll make you know, roughly $14 million a year versus the Rockies offer had him at, you know, between 10 and $11 million a year. And now because we didn't trade him at the deadline when there probably were some offers on the table for him, the Rockies get nothing and see a fan favorite pitcher and a guy who had succeeded at altitude walk away to a team that, you know, lost over a hundred games in 2021. Like the Rangers were not good last year, but here they are spending a ton of money to improve their team. Like $600 million. They've signed John Gray and Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. Whereas the Rockies have now lost John Gray and Trevor Story following suit. And all of the contracts that they have done are really more for maintaining the status quo, where we extended Antonio Sensatella and Elias Diaz, and we kept CJ Crone and Jolice Chassin in the fold. So what really I think is frustrating is that now we've seen these two players walk away, and the Rockies, you know, despite promises of... Uh, from Bill Schmidt that he would pursue every avenue, especially trades and free agency to bring in new players and build upon our foundation and make us competitive that that hasn't been done. And as we see all these other teams make a flurry of spending, especially the, I say again, hundred plus lost Texas Rangers, the Rockies are doing what they're unfortunately infamous for doing, which is, Stan Pat and I'm really I am sad to see John Gray go because I think this was completely avoidable yeah avoidable is the word that keeps popping up when we talk about John Gray and I think that's really tough uh that's a very tough part of it but okay so we go from someone that left to players that might be coming in as Evan mentioned the Rockies have just kind of kept things uh, how they were so far, signing the players he mentioned. But they have recently been rumored to be attached to a couple other players. So it has recently been reported that they'd like to hang on to Trevor's story. No big surprise there. Uh, like we mentioned, we're not going to be able to kind of know more about that until the new um, CBA agreement is signed. But there was also talks before the lockout that the Rockies might actually be interested in one Chris Bryant. That is really interesting. Uh, someone of Bryant's caliber coming to Colorado. Evan, what do you think uh, the Rockies should do for Chris Bryant? Is it worth pursuing? What do you make of that rumor? 
so the the Rockies were linked to Chris Bryant and also Kyle Schwarber, and then the Trevor Story one got complicated because John Heyman reported that the Rockies were reopening contract negotiations with Trevor Story, and then the Denver Post Patrick Saunders basically said, no, that's not true. So we really don't know where we're at with that, but multiple sources did con- uh, did discuss that the Rockies had been in talks with bringing in Chris Bryant to play third base. Um, oh goodness, they I'm never specified for- what position he'd play, or or outfield because I know he can also play corner outfield, and it would be a solid addition for the Rockies depending on how much they pay for him. The rumor was that Bryant is looking for something like a a six year deal for what was it like 180 million or something like that but that raises a lot of other questions of well we already had a third baseman that we were paying a lot of money for and then made him mad and traded him away but Chris Bryant I think would be a good addition because he's got history of playing at Coors Field he's not uh, he's not super old yet. He's generally considered to be in his prime. He's, I think, 29 right now, which is, is not super, super old. Wanting a six-year contract um, when he's about to be 30, because I think he'll be 30 in January, is a little odd just because then we'd have him until his age 36 season, and you don't really know how he's going to go from there. But he's a good power bat and a good bat in general that can play multiple positions. He's got the um, versatility that the Rockies really like, and you don't really know where they'd play him. They could put him in right field. They could put him in left field. He could play third base and you move Ryan McMahon over to second. But, you know, it's, it's really tough to make a lot of judgments on this until we know exactly where things are at, which we're not going to know until after the lockout ends. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Skyler, you mentioned that the position of Chris Bryant was not necessarily determined yet. Does that change your opinion on whether or not they should make a move on Bryant? Well, the thing that comes to mind, even without signing any of these guys, is the non-tender deadline came and passed, and the Rockies kept everybody. And so that kind of muddies the water a bit because, personally, have Chris Bryant come and play him in left field or something? That would be amazing. You know, I I think that would be a really cool, cool move to make and have him around. But the roster's currently full, and we're keeping at the moment all of our you know, players at the moment. So Rymel Tapia survived the non-tender deadline and everything. So presumably he's going to start in left field or Connor Joe or something. So like we mentioned before with John Gray and all the signings they've done so far, it's mostly keeping the status quo. And because time and time again, we hear the same thing of we're just a few pieces away from contending. No, we believe in this group of guys. They just need to play better. Well, look at the Texas Rangers (laughs) and the team they had, and they decided to go out and really improve weak spots that they had. And whereas the Rockies were about to lose perhaps two pieces. We've already lost one, presumably lose another. We already lost our franchise third baseman before the 2021 season. So we're just kind of stuck in the water. And so a big splash like getting Chris Bryant, 
that'd be an encouraging move, but that's just that would just be one small band-aid over this leaking boat. And there's a lot of areas that need improvement. And so uh, it's it's hard to to really know what they should do. Chris Bryant, that would be a, a cool one to have. Uh, I'm testing it on MLB The Show, and so far it's working out pretty good. Playing left nice. field, but, you know, it's another one of those things, kind of like you see with the, the Angels, where they have a clear need for starting pitching, but instead they're getting attached to, hey, let's hand out another $300 million positional player contract, even though they desperately need something else. So that's how it is with the Rockies, where they have a lot of areas that need work. And so maybe one guy's not going to really going to make a difference for the team. But, hey, Bryant really wanted to come here. I'm not going to argue about it. Yep. But I doubt he would want to come I here. I can dig it. <laughs> well, and what it is is like exactly what you said. Year after year, the Rockies go, we are just a few pieces away from contending and then don't do anything to add those pieces that they say that they need. And I've brought this up a couple times, but so the Rockies have signed only one major league free agent since December 21st of 2018. On December 21st, 2018, they signed Daniel Murphy to a two-year, $24 million contract to play first base. Between then and now, they have signed no major free agents from outside the organization. The one free agent that they signed was Julius Chassin at the beginning of last season for, like, veteran minimum. Something He got paid something like a million dollars last year. And, you know, I love Julius Chassin. It ended up being a really good move, but you could hardly call that a major free agent signing when it was really just a bullpen depth move at the time. And then it's the same where that continues of, yes, we just you know, got new contracts for both Chassin and for CJ Crone, but they are not exactly coming from outside the organization. They were with the Rockies last year, and now it's it's that maintaining status quo of they'll continue to be with the Rockies. Mm-hmm. So it's really frustrating to have, you know, Bill Schmidt say in October that we will pursue, you know, any avenue necessary to improve the team. And then so far hasn't really done that except for we've had these talks with Chris Bryant, whereas multiple players that could have been big impact players with the Rockies are, have been dropping off the board and dropped off the board before the lockout deadline. Um, Nick Castellanos is still not signed, but Chris Taylor has re-signed with the Dodgers and say um, like Rysel Iglesias decided to stay with the, Angels, Corey Knable, a bullpen piece, went to the Phillies. Uh, Kevin Gossman, Robbie Ray, a lot of the starting pitchers that you could have maybe looked into if you knew that Trevor Story was leaving have signed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And now we're at the lockout, and prior to that, we were really only seriously linked with one free agent signing. And it would have been a, a good one. Like, Chris Bryant would have been a good signing, but there is so much more than just one player that the Rockies need right now. It's we need a shortstop now because Trevor Story's leaving. We need potentially starting pitching because John Gray's leaving. Power bats in the outfield. Bullpen pieces are always necessary. And 
here we are now that we have we've reached that first deadline of you know free agent activity and trades and haven't really done anything to address needs other than we might have talked to Chris Bryan. Well, well and what's and what's hard with all of this is the Rockies organization right now is also I would assume a very hard sell for these other players because you know the Mariners at the moment that's they're a pretty easy sell to free agents right now I bet where Jerry Depoto has his plan and can share that with the player and says look at what we're doing we want to get better here's how you can help us and that gets them Robbie Ray they now have the reigning Cy Young Award winner headlining their rotation a uh, pretty good rotation just got even better after losing some of their pieces like uh, Kikuchi and they lost Tyler Anderson. Now they add a big piece to that. Now the Mariners are a lot easier sell to other players. So maybe some of those free agents that they're wanting to pursue like Chris Bryant or Trevor Story. And then you no, know, for the Rockies, they're a very tough sell at the moment where, Hey, look at how we've lost three of our, core players over this one calendar season do you want to come play with us and be our next star no that, that's a it's a really hard one and you know the players we have good players on this team there's no doubt about that and you know the front office I think as a whole in the organization that's the tough part to sell and with the way media is today and the things that have come out with the Rockies I think agents and players especially the prominent ones that really could come make a difference here. I wouldn't blame them if they're a little wary. Like, uh, I don't know about the Rockies, but those Texas Rangers are looking really good right about now. They're willing to pay, mm-hmm. up, pay <laughs> pony up some cash for me. I'll yeah, go play with. Because it really is. Play with those There's guys. There's been no evidence over the last four or five years that the Rockies are really willing to open up the checkbook to make big improvements with that last major free agent signing being in 2018. So we've now gone 2019, 2020, 2021 of really not spending or trading or or making the deals to improve the team and not really having a clear direction of otherwise the front office saying, oh, we're just a few pieces from contending. And if we're just a few pieces from contending, then why are we not bringing in those pieces? Especially when the major front office news for this offseason so far is that the Rockies finally replenished their analytics staff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, those are good points because you're right. Like, with the with history, recent history being what it is, like, you guys make really good points about these free agents maybe not looking at Colorado as the most desirable destination. But, like Skyler's alluded to a few times, looks like Texas might be the next big spot. I do want to talk about these big free agent signings we've seen. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run down each one of these big signings, and then you guys can just let me know which ones you think are going to be the most impactful and maybe the least impactful or not make that much of a difference. So some of the big names we saw moved, and obviously fill any in if I miss them, but we saw Max Scherzer and Starling Marte go to the Mets, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager to the Rangers, Javier Baez to the Tigers, Marcus Stroman to the Cubs, Kevin Gossman to the Blue Jays, Robbie Ray, and Adam Frazier to the Mariners, and Noah Syndergaard to the Angels, just to name a few. Starting with you, Evan, what do you think of those with the most impactful moves, and what do you think will probably be the least impactful or not as much uh, of a instant success? So, 
so far, the, the two teams that have made the most moves are the Rangers and the Mets. So in addition to uh, Marte and Scherzer, the Mets also brought in uh, Mark Kana and Eduardo Escobar as free agents. And I think the Mets have made a lot of really good moves in terms of sort of overhauling um, like their outfield and adding an additional starting pitcher while losing Marcus Stroman. The one-two punch of Scherzer and DeGrom in 2022 is a scary thought for that starting rotation. The question is, though, the Mets spent a lot of money and resources on a very good team last year and didn't even make the playoffs. So it's really going to be about how the team is run in the upcoming season for where this is all going to go. The Rangers are the most interesting to me because, like I said earlier, they're a 100-plus lost team, and now they are just like, they broke open the piggy bank to sign a bunch of really talented players, and it's possible they're not even done yet um, because there's rumors that they still want to add to their pitching rotation. And I think it's really interesting that they are bulking up, and the Mariners are also bulking up, after the Astros are, they're going to start to decline here as they lose Correa and sort of lose their grip on the AL West. And I think both of those teams are smelling blood in the water of if we can push the Astros out, we can be on top. And the Rangers are going for the instant gratification button push of we're signing a bunch of people all at once. And the Mariners are coming out of a lengthy rebuild with a lot of homegrown talent such as, um, you know, J.P. Crawford and Marco Gonzalez and other players like that, and now adding the reigning Cy Young award-winning pitcher, potentially bringing in other starting pitchers, and they've been linked to Trevor Story to strengthen their infield and add, a, add another good bat. So mm-hmm. it's really both those AL West teams that have me the most curious uh, I think the biggest non-move is going to be Stroman to the Cubs because the Cubs basically tore it all down last year and Stroman's contract is not that big. It doesn't include a no-trade clause and they could definitely just like, if he does well, trade him around for more prospects in the coming season. Um, Adam Frazier in the infield for the marriages is another big increase for them. Their Their infield has the potential to be really, really good. So I, I'm high on the Mariners right now, and I'm high on the Rangers for doing what needs to be done and busting open that checkbook. So the, the, one, that I, the one that I'm okay with is the, the Blue Jays basically traded Robbie Ray, the Cy Young Award winner, for Kevin Gossman, who had a really, really strong season. But uh, it hasn't really done anything to improve that team because they also lose Marcus Simeon. I think after the lockout's done, we're going to see the Blue Jays make a lot more moves. But right now, it really is. It's the Mets, the Rangers, and the Mariners that have piqued my curiosity the most. Dig it. Phenomenal breakdown as always, Evan. I appreciate that. Uh, How about you, Skyler? Who's uh, sticking out to you? Who is not as much a factor? Uh, Those Mets moves are really intriguing just because the Mets are just so desperate to win and be great again. Um, that it's hilarious when Mets going to met and they just kind of collapse during the season, but they think they made some really good moves to improve their team. Uh, they have pretty much the top two pitchers in baseball now in their rotation. Uh, 
I won't get into my thoughts on Max Scherzer's contract, but uh, I think overall a lot of good moves there to overall have that overhaul that outfield. Uh, and Steve Cohen just keeps trying to do everything he can to try and make the Mets magical again. But those it is those Texas moves are just really intriguing. Where you know they needed a shortstop, so to say, we knew they were in the market for a shortstop. They went ahead and got two shortstops to fill out their middle infield. And, you know, they're going to be a scary middle infield for years to come. Uh, But, like we were saying, there's a lot more pieces they still need to add to improve that team overall if they want to overcome, you know, the the Houston Astros, who are still probably the favorite in that division, and also the Mariners, who are, you know, on the up and up and looking to make some moves. But one that... Really, that's just kind of confusing is the Noah Syndergaard deal to the Angels, where, yes, the Angels need starting pitching. They went out and got themselves a starting pitcher that one year, I think it's like $23 million or so for Syndergaard, uh, who hasn't pitched very much over the last couple seasons due to injuries. And so that's a big gamble. Uh, If it pays off, that's great for them, but they're still, the Angels need a lot more pieces. to expand their rotation and you know we know they were in they were in on some of these you know sweepstakes for Scherzer and other things like that but you know, the Angels still have a lot of work to do and Syndergaard is just like we were saying it's just one little band-aid over a bigger problem that they still have and so they need to really go out so they can finally get Mike Trout into the playoffs and let him just do what he can do and get him a ring because it's just a travesty of how little Mike Trout has played in the playoffs. So the Angels need to do a lot more than just Syndergaard uh, when that lockout ends. Maybe they go get Trevor Story or Correa, dish out all that money, or no, just find different aspects to improve that starting rotation. Dig it. Beautiful. Thank you, Skylar. Don't say Trevor Story to the Angels. Don't put that on the air. Um, and that is uh, all we've got, man. That is a, a very nice, concise breakdown of the lockout and free agency. And now we just kind of wait. Now we hang out and see what comes of the future as we uh, hopefully will see some sort of agreement between the players and the owners in the next few weeks, months. I don't know, man. We'll just kind of have to sit through it. But before we go, obviously, we'll do a little roll call. Skyler, where can the people find you on Twitter and what projects are you working on currently? So they can find me at at sideline underscore crowd on the Twitters. Uh, and then mostly just winding down on our little purple row sim of the what if 2007 World Series uh, between the Rockies and the team formerly known as the Cleveland Indians in 2007. Uh, we're winding down. Uh, just posted game five on like Thursday or so. So game six will be spoilers for game five, but game six is coming out here pretty soon. Uh, So yeah, other than that, just trying to figure out more Sims that we could do different scenarios and whatever other article ideas I can figure out for the rock pile every week. But yeah, go check out that Sim. Please do man. Scouts worked very hard on it. It's an absolute blast to watch. Uh, it's a, it's been a very fun series to follow along with so far. Uh, Evan, how about you? Where are you at on Twitter? What are you working on? 
Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27, and the official Affected by Altitude Twitter is going to be at Altitude Effect. Uh, currently, I'm not really working much on special projects other than just doing my weekly rock piles. Uh, I recently introduced a hopefully recurring segment that's going to be, I think, a lot of fun, which is, I'm calling it the, he could have been in a, could have been a contender, uh, where I discuss players that people were pretty certain were going to be the next big superstar for the Rockies and, you know, for one reason or another, just didn't pan out. Um, but that's really about all I'm working on right now within the two of my weekly rock piles and the podcasting stuff. Uh, real quick, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to uh, Rockies team photographer Matt Dirksen, who is stepping down from his position as the Rockies team photographer. Wish him all the best. He's taken some amazing photos and been an amazing part of Rockies history. And yeah, I hope whatever comes next for him is going to be amazing. 100%. The great part of Rocky's history, taking some iconic photos. So big love to, to him. Thanks for shouting that out, Evan. For myself, you can find me at Cormac Battle Pro. That is C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. Always down at talks and baseball, some wrestling, some Super Smash Brothers, whatever. Uh, as far as what I'm working on currently, I am involved with uh, one series that I've started uh, doing a lot more of recently. It's called My Guy. It's where I talk about some fringe players and uh, people for the Rockies that were never really superstars or icons, but... You know, I think we're just a lot of fun and left some sort of legacy with the Rockies. I've discussed uh, Brandon Barnes, Tony Walters, and then hopefully by the time this year podcast comes out, my uh, most recent article will be out where I discuss uh, Renee Latchman, who uh, I think was a funny guy. And that is it for us, man. We appreciate you always uh, sticking with us here through the Affected by Altitude podcast. Uh, you know, not sure what the future holds with this lockout, but we'll find something to, to gawk about at some point. So until next time, Skyler, hit him with it. Farewell. And we're out. Thanks, y'all.